Welcome. This is William Evans. Today we're about to replay a conversation with Ron Melman from Sedona, Arizona. We originally spoke in December of 2018. Ron had just produced a film about an important story that occurred in Colorado. A story relevant to everyone here. And I consider it so important we're playing it again today. Before we begin, there are a couple of updates to give you. The name of the film has been changed to Forever Wild. A shorter version of Forever Wild will play nationally on PBS television, Earth Day, April 22nd, 2022. We hope you can enjoy it then. This is a story of democracy meeting nature with respect. At this point, we will transition to our original 2018 conversation about what happened in Telluride, Colorado. Welcome, this is William Evans and you are listening to Shifting Gears. Our guest today is Ron Melman from Sedona, Arizona. Welcome, Ron. Hi, Will. You've produced a documentary film about an event which occurred in Telluride, Colorado. I did. And you're wonderfully clear about the intention of of your production. Well, yes, the way this whole thing happened, if, if we can go there. My niece lives in Telluride. And my wife and I visited her uh, many times. And there was this very, very large open space, 600 acres, uh, kind of the gateway to the town. And I was so surprised that it was still open space, and she told me a story about it. And I got very intrigued by the story. And that story is about an event where democracy met nature. That's absolutely correct. I didn't know it at the time because uh, I really didn't, and she didn't quite know how how it all had unfolded. She just knew what the result was. And uh, I'm I'm kind of a journey guy. I, I like journeys. I, I was very interested in how these people came together and manifested uh, their dream about having this open space in perpetuity. I mean, how does a town go ahead and do that, especially when someone uh, owned the land and uh, they had had plans to develop it, Will? Right, and and that process, that in a way it was po- political, but it's not the type of politics we're accustomed to the big story is actually physical, almost the size of Central Park. And and, yeah. we, and we have yet to experience and live into the life-sustaining dimensions of what happened in, in that valley. Well, as you, as you know, because you saw the movie, um, Roland was a key person who spoke from the Ute Indian experience, as the Indians used to uh, 
inhabit the valley. Roland McCook. Roland McCook, yes. And he was very eloquent in his speaking about the beauty of the land and how it needed somebody or some group to speak for it because the land kind of just there and we humans seem to have done an awful lot of manipulation especially late into this 21st century of moving things around and, and calling it our own and so on and so forth and the movie the people in the movie we interviewed about a little less than 50 people and it was just delightful that they those 50 people ended up telling us their personal story of how they remembered this process unfolding had this wonderful editor that uh, took all these little pieces and put them together into a story that most anybody could view as a movie and understand what happened up there. And I wanted that story to be told as an inspiration to other people in hopes that if they had a similar situation come up, that they could also, working together, could manifest their dreams, uh, their wildest. It's an amazing what they achieved in a very, very small amount of time, in only three months. It's just quite amazing what they achieved. And that's what got me interested in wanting to tell the story, because I, I, I couldn't believe that that was true, believe that they had manifested this. Right. Tremendous, tremendous achievement. These people are different walks of life, you know. They, they, they could be uh, oh, trust funders, they, they could be waiters, they could be uh, people from out of town, uh, young, young people wanting to keep the 600 acres as open space. And it was an amazing achievement. I think we did a great job in telling our story, and I, I must say, I think uh, a lot of people, especially youth, thought we did too, and that's why we're having this interview. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Right. We we screened it here last week and had a couple of people from Telluride, and, and they were just bubbling with enthusiasm and excitement afterwards because they said that's really what happened, and that's well done. So it affirms what what uh, what you set out to do, but there were other people who also sensed it was a story to be told, and in order to do it, you had to have key people cooperate with you. Well, we, we, we had a, a great team of people. I'm not sure what you're referring to, but we had fabulous... I'm, I'm referring to the people in the town who had to agree to tell you at length their story and in detail... Because from what you told me in, in our conversation before, other people had a, had a perspective, but it wasn't the quality that the, uh, the key players who led the, the valley preservation effort were looking for. That, that's correct. It happened uh, about 10 years ago, and I think the people at the time that were not, they, they, they had a, a vote on whether to go forward with the process of, of uh, acquiring the land. And uh, the townspeople voted 60-40, 60 in favor and 40 against. And we did our best to interview also those 40% people that didn't care for it or wanted some other 
use of the land or thought it was too expensive. We did our darndest to keep both uh, views uh, available to uh, the people that were going to watch this because, you know, it's very rare that anything's uh, 100%. I mean, people just, we just, as human beings, we just don't agree on everything. I mean, we've had different uh, nurturing and growing up in our lives, and we've come from, especially a place like Telluride, I think we knew two or three people there that were actually born and raised in Telluride. Right. Very few people are from that part of the world and from that part of the state. But at any rate, we did not get turned down by very many people that didn't want to talk about it. Some of the people were so emotional that we had talked to on the phone about being interviewed that they said they didn't want to go through that process again because of the contentious, contentious nature of the difficulty of uh, how, how, how challenging it was to do it. And I think the ex-mayor in the movie says how difficult it was sometimes walking town, downtown just uh, going and get coffee if you were on one side or another. It was uh, difficult for these people to uh, chat with each other because of the contentious nature of the thing. Yeah, that's a memorable part of the film. Yeah. The quality in the people who guided the preservation effort and led that, uh, I suggest, is alive in you. Uh, Tell us the title of your documentary. Well, it's really just called The Valley. We, uh, I had uh, a challenge with the director on naming it The Valley Floor because that is the, everyone knows that 600 acres at The Valley Floor. Right. But he wanted to keep it as The Valley, well, because of the ups and downs of the, you know, first they were, everything was great, and then they kind of went downhill, and it was a, kind of a challenge, and then they went, back up, and it was kind of, you know, the peaks and valleys of of that three months of, and all the meetings that they have. So he wanted it to be kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of a story about the valley, and of course, it was the entrance to the Telluride Valley. So um, being a um, Democratic kind of a guy, I, I decided to say, okay, you know, we, we have equal votes. I, I disagree. I really like the valley floor, but I see your position, and so we're going to name it the valley. Well, and the people of Telluride believe the heart of their valley resides in that valley floor area, those 600 acres. You know, they sure do, and I think Joan really said it best because it is the gateway to the valley, not only the valley floor, but to the town of Telluride. When you make that right turn off of that, or maybe left turn, off that highway, and, and you have and you drive that two and a half miles into town, it is absolutely stu- it's a, such a wonderful welcoming to everybody. You know, it's peaceful, it's calm, it's relaxed. It's uh, I mean, if you want to stop on the road on the right side, you can see elk. I mean, just almost any time. You can stop and see elk, and uh, the waterway has been restored. It's, it's been amazing. It makes people feel very special, I think, to go into the into Telluride. Oh, it's an extraordinary entrance. Yeah, and, and then of course the view of the mountains, and yeah, so it's a it would be such a it would be 
such a different place if that had been developed. It would be, you know, three-story condos and a lot of other developed kinds of uh, activities there. So you, they feel very strongly about it. You already mentioned Roland McCook, uh, a Ute, mm-hmm. uh, the great-great-grandson of Chief Ray, and he opens, right. opens and closes the documentary. And I listen very carefully to his words. Well, we trying to remember. We we had a line producer, and my niece, my niece also, who lives in Telluride, and they suggested that we get Roland to talk to us. We wanted to have him speak to us out on the land. I mean, after all, that's what this documentary is about, also. Right. It's the democratic part of it. And how do we do this, and the lawyers, and all that kind of stuff. And so when we had him out on the land, I, I believe we had a, a clipboard with maybe eight or ten questions, not, not, not a lot. And as you know, the documentary, since you've seen it, it's just amazing how it seems that Roland and so many other people, it almost is as if the, this was scripted. You know, we say, hey, Roland, we want you to say this. But we didn't do that with anybody. And we asked Roland, you know, about his feelings. Mostly we asked people about their feelings, about how they felt at the time this was going on. How do you feel now? Was it worthwhile going through all this difficulty and contentious nature and maybe even having difficulty with some of our, some of our friends, your friends? And so Roland... I believe, spoke from his heart. I I didn't realize his his connection with uh, Chief Ure until I think he and I were having lunch. And uh, we uh, were having lunch, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I should be recording this, because he was saying some incredibly wonderful things. And I was writing furiously on a paper napkin notes, you know. (laughs) Yep. Paper napkins at restaurants have quite a history, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> I've I've been in that situation <laughs> with so. Native American. Yeah. Well, he belongs to a people who still remember how to walk with life-sustaining qualities, mm-hmm. and and understand their connection and relationship. He. Uh, he was beautiful at, at the opening of the film when he, he said his people had lived here in harmony with the resources and the sources of life. Yeah, beautiful. This is KDNK. You're listening to Shifting Gears and a conversation with Ron Melman about The Valley, a documentary film which will have its world premiere early next year at the Sedona Film Festival. The committee who led this valley preservation effort hired a fundraising consultant from Denver who looked over the situation and and made a conclusion. What was that? Oh, it's really poignant, beautiful. Think about the human condition and and, and our, our humanness and our desires to have... Complete uh, control, I guess, over our destiny. 
what happened was the the person from Denver came up and met everybody, and they looked around and heard some big numbers, and they decided to tell people in Telluride that even as consultants, they would not take this project on because they believed it wasn't possible to achieve the goal. And it was Hillary that uh, was close for friends, not close friends, but she and this other woman from Denver had been communicating, and when she got that letter that uh, it wasn't possible, Hillary decided not to share that with anybody. <laughs> yeah. I think the words I heard was, we put that in a file in the back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. She hid it from everybody. And I also believe because of not letting anybody know anything negative about this possibility of achieving this and her statement afterwards, we, we were all in. We, we had to go. We, we just had to do this. And they didn't, because they hadn't had the formal training of, of uh, fundraising, I believe that was an asset in their tool bag to go forward. It's almost like sometimes education may get in our ways or certainly block us from being unbounded and having the ability to go forward and saying, well, I don't know how we're going to do this, but uh, let's try to do it. Let's go forward. Will, I had no idea how to make this movie. A dear friend of mine was who was in film school with me, and when he saw it at our house, he said, Ron, how did you do this? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I think I just put one foot in front of the other. Right. I mean, that's the way I've run my life, pretty much, looking back on it. And And I believe that's how Hillary and her group put together. How do we do this? Well, I don't know. Let's try. You know, and they tried various things and, I mean, some oddball stuff. And But I think what happened with that oddball stuff is it, it brought the community together that they thought, well, we're not sure how we're going to do it. But by God, we're going to do it. Yeah, there there are a bunch of skiers there, and yeah. and you know when when you make a commitment on a pair of skis, you do it with with everything. You get all your parts lined up, and you you fully commit to that yeah. turn, and then you get a rhythm, and you're able to keep going in that rhythm over the over the terrain and down the mountain. And that's, I think that's what they did. They, they were innocently naive and yet at the same time bold. Oh, boy. Very, very bold. One of the things that this, uh, I think, uh, Gary said in the movie, that, and I want to say this on the air, that because I had some people from Sedona come to a private showing at the house because we're having a, a challenge here with some issues in, in Sedona that are very similar right. to what's happened in Telluride. And what happened is the this movie is not like a operated ma- manual that you just step one, step two, step three. You know, it's nothing like that. I think it's very important for people to know you have to surround yourself with very committed people, people that are very good at what they do. 
and if you can identify initially the the, 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 the people and not even the people, but the you might need an, an attorney to interpret the law. You know, I mean, because you just can't do stuff without being legal and crossing T's and dotting I's. And then you need people that have a passion for the land, and and so on and so on and so on. And what happened also that was a, a great motivating factor that I told the people that were at my house the other night from Sedona that what happened in Telluride is anybody that put any money into the fund to to acquire this land, if they didn't get the amount, the full amount, they would get their money back. Right. That was the first thing. So first of all, so that makes people comfortable. And the second thing they did is they saw visually what was going to be open space. They saw a map. They could see the, the lines, you know, they could see the roads, they could see they could see physically see the six hundred acres. It's just like um, having people feel comfortable and we talked about this and this is where this trust comes in. So they had no reason not to have the effort to go forward because they knew that if it didn't work they would get their money back. And secondly, they saw the space. So they were very comfortable. They didn't have any objections for going forward. Another dimension I realize is that everybody was speaking their truth. And a good example of that's Art Goodtimes, a county commissioner, and, and one of the people you interviewed at length. He said, as a political type, when the owners offered a compromise, he said, hey, that's a win-win. Compromise is the way politics works. But the, the town council and the people didn't, didn't go that way at all. But Art was, you know, everybody knew how Art felt. And sure. it, it didn't weaken anything because the commitment and the rhythm was there. Oh, as we had talked about trust, Will, the, the people of the town did not trust the developer. Or the and government. Why, yeah, and the, and the government too. And, and as, as Joan was saying, it wasn't the government, it wasn't the people that were in the government, it's just the way the government worked. And I really enjoyed her saying that, because what she was talking about is people, you know, another human being that just happened to work at this, uh, you know, at the city offices doing something with land acquisition or something. So wasn't the person it was just the way you know these rules are because they're hard and fast and they're typed out and hopefully interpreted by you know people and so on but i think the community as much as they trusted the people giving them their money back and seeing the land they also didn't trust the developer and that's why this thing didn't i think one of the reasons is that why this did not go through as a compromise because even with this 10% rule and so on and so forth, this 10% idea that the developer had, uh, they did not believe that the rest of the 590 acres was going to be open space and available to the people. I think Hillary or Jane said, we had to go all in. We were all in. And everybody, any poker players, you know, you're just pushing your chips in the middle of the table. Right. And that's what they decided to do. It's a great story, and it's a great 
learning and reminder for all of us because the people of Colorado have the opportunity to preserve a lot of precious identities and energies that heal and inspire. And accomplishing that task requires holding the contradictions inherent in a paradox. Beautifully said. And and for me, having been born here, I was infused with these qualities in the rivers and the valleys as a child. And I'm excited to see people moving here from all over the world who come into resonance with the land and the water and catch fire with these life-sustaining choices, as did the community of Telluride. Well, it sure does seem well like a, a good example of what people can do when they have a common goal. Part of the idea of the movie that I wanted to express, too, was if it wasn't the land and the 600-acre development, if, if it was something else, maybe, maybe even something like a hospital or something like affordable housing, if people come together and they want to work together, that's an extraordinary experience to be part of that because uh, I think uh, I think Joan said every person that wants to get involved in a movement like this, regardless of their particular input, is important. Everybody should be involved. And I think at that time she was saying that, we showed this uh, wonderful local guy, had a couple of dogs, and he was just walking down the street. You know, we didn't know who he was or what he did or anything, but that's the kind, you know, he wasn't in an office and he didn't have plaques on his wall and on and on and on. But he was a person that lived there, obviously. And she, I hope, when people watch that particular scene, can say, wow, I feel like that. You know, I don't write letters to the editor. I don't go down with the plaques. On the, I don't stand on street corners. But, you know, I have something important to say. I can fold envelopes. I can tack things up on uh, whatever. But the idea that everybody in the community is important, we all should realize that we have importance, you know. Sorry to get so emotional here. That, that was said in a number of ways, that everybody who wanted to help was welcome. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. You're welcome. You've been listening to KDNK, and this is March 7th, 2022, and a reminder that a new film version of Forever Wild will be playing on public television Earth Day, April 22nd, 2022. Carbondale protected the Thompson Divide. Telluride kept the valley floor forever wild. We are kindred communities continuing our commitment to remembering a living world story. We are, we are here, we're all together.